0: Good morning, church. The teaching text for today is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience,
1: So you'll have recognized that from the prayer we prayed for our our new members. And um, it's this beautiful, compelling vision of how we are to live together as followers of Jesus and um, take care of one another and forgive one another and just the sort of hallmarks that define the communal life of those who are knit to this person of Jesus in love and then trying to live that out together. And the part at the end that I just want to spend the majority of our time on this morning, is it's talking about sort of like life together. And you can begin to imagine this is a group of people that's like this, a church, they meet together regularly, caring for one another's needs. But then at the very end, it just sort of squirts out into the, all the rest of life and says, whatever you do in word or deed, like whatever you find your, your, your hands doing or your mind working on or, or, or your body participating in, whatever you do in this life, do it in the name of Jesus and and do it, giving thanks to god and and that 's what I just want to focus on for the, the few minutes we have um, this morning from time to time uh, i 'll I'll stop in a given week on a given day and just think about like some of you I know uh, you know there 's a good sh- chance of what you might be up to at that moment, but I think about our church where where are we at, fanned out across the city we are We are the church gathered here, but all, most of the week we are the church scattered across across our borough, across our, our city, um, and, and I think about where where are you guys, and so just imagine you're the week that you've just lived, maybe maybe some of you, uh, you know, you had to, you had a big order of supplies you had to put in for your business this week, and you were sitting in front of a computer ticking things off and making sure that um, you were coming, uh, you're going to have everything you need for the, the coming season. Maybe you sat in a brainstorming meeting with people in your office and you dreamed up a new initiative this week. Or or you worked on a prototype of something that you've designed, you've been working on, and you need to see uh, if it's going to work. Or maybe you fulfilled an order that someone sent in with, with you know, really delicate care. Or maybe you made notes. Uh, someone in their church told me they had to make notes this week as they were driving for a big pitch they had to make to a new client for new business for, for their company. Or Maybe you got an idea for a song in your head and you're like, I don't want to lose this. And so you recorded it into a voice memo on, on, on your phone. Or maybe you walked your kids to school and you were so glad that you weren't doing it in, in the freezing cold of winter. And as soon as you dropped them off, you looked down and you had you know, five text messages from others in the school because you're trying to coordinate vendors for a school fundraiser. Or maybe you had a boss. I'm just going to try to literally hit everyone. Is that cool? The whole sermon is just going to be me trying to guess what you did this week. Maybe you had a boss who got overly irritated about something seemingly small and they took their frustrations out on you and you just couldn't come out of the cloud of anger for a couple of hours. Everything you did was sort of like draped in this frustration because you're not being seen or or cared for well in your job or maybe you got a a headache from staring at a lesson plan later night. You wonder, how many do I really have? I'm just going to keep trucking. Maybe you were able to resolve some tension in your office. You were able to sort of help with a, a co-worker dynamic, but you couldn't take any credit for it or would have spoiled it. Just not, put your hands up. If this, if I'm wondering how many I'm hitting here. Um, maybe, I know someone in this, in this room that learned chore, choreography for a dance that they're going to do in their own music video. So that happened this week, this church, watch out. Um, maybe someone changed a chain on a bicycle, anybody? Anybody? Um, Maybe you closed a sale this, this past week and it broke a record in your company for, for the month, or you finally reworked a chapter of something you've been writing so that you can believe in it, or, or you made a table and now it's time to stain it, or you planned a picnic. I know there was at least one one-year-old birthday that was planned this, this, this week. Um, maybe you listened to your roommate vent about their job. Maybe you made a recipe for the first time and you, and, and you loved it. As you think back on your thing, the thing I didn't mention, I want to ask you in in your heart of hearts, in your inner person, does your life feel compartmentalized or does it feel coherent? Does it feel whole or does it feel like it just happens in parts? Another way to ask it is does the regular work that you're doing, all those all those things, we might have situations we might have found ourselves in in a given week, Do they feel connected to your most intimate relationships? Are they they connected to your family? Do they feel connected to God? In the place in life that you're in right now, do you feel full of joy? Do you feel full of purpose? Or perhaps maybe it's more like I feel frustration and I'm willing just to keep pressing on. Does contentment feel like a pipe dream to you? Or does it feel like uh, i 'm stepping into it I know, I know I know just from scanning, I know some of you just accomplished tremendous things this week that you 've been working for for years, and I know others of you are are waiting in, in places of frustration because you 're you're, you're in the, in a place that, that you don 't want to be, and you 're waiting for the, the life to turn the corner and to be in something new. I realize we have a vast array of experiences across the spectrum. Is there really something, or is this just kind of like churchy language that we come to expect as being a little unrealistic, that whatever you do in word or deed could be united by by this this through line, this thread of the love of God and and a life of thanksgiving and somehow glorifying God. Over the years, we, we've talked about this reality, like we're, how many hours are we in here together in a given week? You're, some of you are like, too many, thank you very much. But um, however long it is, right, it's, it's, not the, the, it's, it, it's, it's not everything by any means. Even if you're a full participant in the life of this church and you get together with your life group and, and people really know you and you're stirring one another to be active followers of Jesus, apprentices under the way of Christ it's still, you still go to work uh, or or, or fulfill your role in in, in your home, and that takes a majority of your time. I've mentioned this, if you've been with us over the years, you've heard me mention this before, but I love Dorothy Sayers famously asking the question, how can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of his life? If there's not a significant way that who you are as a follower of Jesus connects to the things that you're doing, all those types of situations you might have found yourself in in a given week, then then it's going to be pretty easy to compartmentalize and to, to imagine that this is just some small spiritual section of your life, but then there's real life out there spinning on in the world. We've been talking for these weeks after Easter because it's what Jesus did about the kingdom of God. What, what are we talking about when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, and then he, he, he teaches about it in chunks of of, of the Gospels, and then he demonstrates it. What, what is he talking about, this thread that's somehow all through the Scriptures and then particularly expressed in Jesus' life and ministry, that the kingdom of God is somehow coming on earth as it is in heaven, and we're participants in that, that he taught his followers to pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Surely, there's no way that that reality meant once a week I want you to get together with other people who think and believe like you, and that should do it. There's, there's no way that that's what Jesus meant by the prayer, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, or that we should, you know, he, he begins in the Gospel of Mark saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means, like, that word repent means reorient everything, reorient everything around this new reality that is breaking in to, to the world, um, And so we can sometimes think that our vocation, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the difference between the work you do and your vocation because sometimes they can be uh, very different. But uh, there's like, something, and maybe this isn't you, but there's something we need to scrub out of our minds, which is a mentality that there's like certain high callings that God has for certain lives, and the rest of us are just just out there living and trying to support the thing, and that's absolutely not true. I love Andy Crouch. He says, Jesus did not come to call the truly faithful to the mission field, the less faithful to the pastorate, and the barely faithful to finance. Every one of us, if we are sons and daughters of God, if we have, if we have believed the gospel and the life of Jesus has, has, has become our life, that means the death he died on the cross uh, frees you from sin and it has become your redemption. And the resurrection of, of Jesus has become your resurrection. You're raised to walk in newness of life. Second Corinthians 5 says, it's like a whole new creation has begun in, in your life. You're something. If that is true and the, and the God of the universe has deposited his Holy Spirit in you, then there's no way that you're a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. There's, there's a process of discernment that needs to take place, but whatever you're called to do with your hands, with your mind, with your creativity, with your energy, is a significant vocational calling in the kingdom of God. I, if, if you don't hear anything else I say, is that God has a reason that he has put you on this earth. And it is a powerful calling. <laughs> and you might do 50 jobs or 20 jobs or 10 jobs or 2 jobs your entire life but as as you begin to sense and discern that voice of the spirit in your life you can start to say is there a thread between all the jobs i've done to get a paycheck or work that i've done or education i've pursued or creative endeavors i've engaged in or or or, or relational work i've done that begins to show this keeps showing up like the, there are things that are my job but then there's my vocation like i'm always I'm always somehow teaching, or I'm always somehow working on reconciliation, or I'm I'm always somehow trying to push the envelope with creativity and, and find the, the new place, or I'm always tending to make sure an ecosystem stays alive. Like there will begin to be threads and trends and patterns that, as you look at, as you listen and look at your life, if the voice of the Holy Spirit is is there, you can begin to hear the voice of vocation in your heart, saying this, this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm really called to. I think this is one of the things in, in, a, in the few categories of things that I was put on this earth to do. And it's really meaningful and deeply satisfying to, um, to do that. And that's why this Colossians 3, beautiful, stirring vision of what life can be as a, as a family together. But the implications has to spill out into our work. What It says, and whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The letter to the Corinthians repeats basically the same exact idea in a conversation on food and drink, and it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So, somehow, there is a way to unite your life as a whole, the way you work and the way you rest, The way you create and the way you edit, the way you dream up an idea for a company, the way you hire, the way you budget, the way you think about what. You would give yourself to as a career. There's a way that the, all these threads are meant to be pulled together in your, in your life with God. And, and, and there's a bunch of ways that that could be categorized. The three that are mentioned in these texts are it, that, that whatever you're doing vocationally is in the name of Jesus. If you're a follower and an apprentice of Jesus, somehow it's in the name of Jesus. It's giving thanks. There's a there's a an outpouring of gratitude in in your actual work and vocation. And somehow, and this is, may feel very churchy to you, but it's also so, for the glory of God, and so quickly, just to think about very briefly how we pull these threads together, to do something in the name of Jesus, for your vocation to be done in the name of Jesus, means that there is an ongoing sense of relational connection to Christ that you're cultivating, and that you can actually do your work to honor. Jesus, that you can do your work to honor this God who has brought us into the family. The this this second is um, giving thanks to the sense that all along the way, right, it's so easy. How many of you put your hand up if you chose to be born? Okay, what? We got one. We're going to start a TV show, a reality show for you, pal, um, Right, we didn't choose to be born. We didn't choose the family we're gonna be born into, and there's a whole host of, 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 of things around that, of course, and and the justice and injustice of the world type of questions that come up when we think about that reality, but so, I, 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 was, I was speaking to a friend who, who is uh, raising twins right now this, this past week, and uh, we were talking about how two kids born to the same family, excuse me, born to the same family, Growing up in the exact same conditions are incredibly different people right from the start. Like you come intact with so much already present and you didn't choose where you're going to be born. You didn't choose the suitcase of, of DNA and abilities and, and sort of dormant passions and, and, and a whole host of And is it, is it nature versus nurture? Like, of course, there's things that are, are to be debated, but you came into this world as you. And you came bearing the Imago Dei, the image of God, stamped upon your life. So you didn't choose it. You came with a whole host of gifts and abilities and talents. And you came bearing the image of God. And part of our process as we travel through this world is, is, is to, to learn how to give thanks for that reality. How to use fully what we've been given without missing the fact that we didn't get it ourselves. And we live in a meritocracy, right, where everything is based on your performance and ability. And can quickly make that substitute that I think I think what I have is, is my own. So that giving thanks is crucial in this vocational trifecta because it's to remember everything I have I have as a gift. And that means I'm a steward of that gift. I'm, 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 I'm using what I have to participate in the world. And it's for the glory of God. So the way I ask that question of myself is, is what's true about God... Shining in my work is what's true about God being uncovered by the work that I do. Is what is true about God being revealed in in and there's there's different ways of asking that. There's like in the meta product that's I'm putting out, or the relational sort of framework that I operate in, and in my relationship with my coworkers and clients, or if I'm at home raising children, like is God being revealed in in what I'm doing? So. Am I doing it in the name of Jesus? Is there an outpouring of gratitude for all that I've received? And is is God shining in it? We really start to set ourselves up for trouble when we think about the Bible. And I know most of us know not to do this, but it can sort of creep back in subtly that we start to think about the Bible like, um, like a manual just for religious life. Like we have our physical, emotional, relational lives and the scriptures are for our spiritual lives. The narrative of the scriptures doesn't do that at all. It's constantly putting before us a God-drenched world. In fact, in ancient Hebrew, there isn't a word for spiritual in the way that we, that we have it, where you could sort of like be like Plato and try to, 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 to make it a dualistic world where there's the spirit and, and matter. In, in, in the Hebrew God-drenched world of the Torah, there is no spiritual because everything is spiritual, And if you track the arc of the scriptures, it becomes very clear that God is interested in sharing all parts of your life. So just to remind you of of a few scenes, because I want you to know that what you do for your work and what you do for your vocation is tremendously important for your human experience, for your life with God, for your life as a worshiper. So... In Genesis, in the Genesis account, right, when things are still in their perfect state, um, right, there was still Mondays. Like there was still getting up and going to work. There was still, God God gave human beings work to do, intimate covenant relationship to be in. And teaches them what worship looks like. They're they're to be like geologists and and herbologists and to be working, intending, hands dirty in the garden. They're not to be alone, but to be working in intimate connection with one another. And then they're walking with God in the cool of of evening. There is work. There is intimate covenant relationship. And there is worship all before the fall. So even before things got really difficult and the soil and ground was cursed and all that stuff, there were still Mondays. They were just better. Work is deeply meaningful for the human experience. I like how David Hedgeman, he has a book called Plowing and Hope, which I would commend to you. It's, it's short and it's really, it's sort of like, it's one of the anchor points of how our church has understood um, cultural renewal and vocation and work in the world. And David Hedgeman says, human beings' cultural mandate, the call to rule, fill, and transform the earth was established before the fall and exists independently of our need for redemption. God clearly had an initial basic plan for the development of the newly created earth, which includes human beings' cultural involvement. Did you notice the thing that human beings were called to do before the fall? To rule, and we're like a little bit like power dynamics, I don't know how I feel about that. To rule, to fill, and to transform. Like to to populate the earth to, to transform the earth, to, to, to turn patches of ground into gardens, to actually to, you know turn empty spaces into places where family and community and, and cities live. To 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 to, 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 to at, at times to make a dam so that there can be a, a, a source of water you know for 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 a, for a community of people. Like they to, to rule and fill and transform the earth. A big part of what we see in in the Genesis account is the development of the natural resources that are present in the earth. God calls us to to develop them. Another quote from the same guy, this book, Plowing and Hope. Listen to this. Humans are called to work the earth in order to uncover the rich potentialities hidden, as it were, beneath the earth's surface. On the most basic agricultural level, mankind cuts into the earth and sows seed, which grows up into plants, which when carefully tended, yield fruit in the appointed seasons. Dig deeper, and the earth will yield still more riches. Precious stones and gold, ore, which can be melted to make metals, and basic um, chemical raw materials, which can be synthesized into pigments and dyes for artwork, fertilizers to increase crop yields, or rocket fuel to explore God's vast universe. Other parts of, of the creation can be transformed as well. Wood can be fashioned into flutes. For the praise of God, or timbers for buildings, stones can be dressed and fitted into walls, etc. We can skip o- over the, the heart of the narrative sometimes so quickly that we miss this profound calling that is on human beings to bear the image of God and to cultivate <laughs> the natural resources that he has given us in the world and to do so as as co-heirs, co-laborers. With, like, that's eventually what we're called when redemption is taking place, that we have a full share in the new heavens and the new earth and 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 there's a role for us to play, right? We 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 know that there's a devastation of the fall and that that doesn't like you're probably thinking about, you know, like there, there's ways that we've scorched and stripped the earth, there's ways that we've spilled oil into, into the, to the sea, there's ways that we have, um, in, in just the natural world, that we have failed to uphold our, our calling to be stewards. But um, we, we see the devastating events take place in, in the Genesis account, right? There's a the deception, there's human beings choosing to be their own gods in some way to find a better way of, of, of functioning apart from God. We call this the fall, Right, without this union with God, these spiritual beings um, have a spiritual disconnection that comes in and it begins to inform everything, right? So I'm going to give you this guy, Hedgeman, one more time. We're, we're just building a little theological foundation that we're going to work off for, for the last few minutes. But tragically, there's another dimension to the, to the diversity we find in human cultural expression, which goes beyond differences in style, temperament, utility, and type. There is the effect of sin, since the fall of Adam, we have rebelled against our creator, and our divine image has been distorted but not distro- destroyed. We still think and speak and will and make, but now instead of glorifying God in all that we do, we also conspire and curse and hate and destroy. Culture continues to exist, but in ugliness and dissonance with the original good creation. So we, we have tremendous capacity to make the world beautiful and to make the world awful, <laughs> And in line with the Imago day that you were born into, and in line with the redemptive work of God and us by the gospel, what we're trying to connect with is the ways specifically that you are called to make the world beautiful, (laughs) that you are called to make the world good, that you are called in your sphere of relationships in a particular DNA package of gifts and talents and abilities that God has sown into you. And also, right, we have to be honest about, like, I might have, I might have... (laughs) My, my relational world, I might have my, my time, time and space in Brooklyn in 2019, and I might have a bunch of passions and gifts and abilities, but I also have to be honest about the, the sovereign sense of opportunity that comes into my life. Like many of us know the frustration of like, I feel like there's more in me than I have the opportunity to give expression to right now. What do I do about the times of waiting when I have a lot more that I want to give than I'm giving? All these are questions of vocation. All these are ways we begin to answer, how do I do whatever I do in the name of Jesus, giving thanks, glorifying God? The intention and the invitation of the life of being a follower of Jesus in the New Testament is that God has given you a full way to participate in the good and and beautiful and true ways of renewing this world it's why i'm certainly not the first theologians uh, you know especially across the last you know 50 years have been noting that the scriptures if you watch the full arc they go from a garden to a city Right? You go from a, a totally raw, natural world to a cultivated world, a flourishing human community. You go from a, a splendid garden to a glorious and healed city. And interestingly, the city has a garden in the middle of it. But um, just like, what our city um, And so that's a powerful, beautiful thing that, that began in the natural raw garden and with, with the force and beauty and vibrancy and teeming uh, sort of sense of, of, of the natural world. But where we're headed is, is a world where there's rocking chairs and a chance to sit down with your neighbor. And, and, sh- and the pictures of the new heavens and the new earth are about sharing a beautiful meal together and people from every tribe and tongue and nation welcomed into this unified family, incredibly diverse and, and teeming and beautiful still, but, but in a glorified city with a river in the heart of it and like You know, this is, it's in us. Like, we we want to make spaces like that that are, like, somehow beautifully integrating the natural world. Like, go up and see what's going on, even if you're against it. Like, in Hudson Yards, they're trying to, like, figure out how do we make something where people can live and can work and want to shop and and, and engage. It's like the the high line and all of this. Like, we're trying in our city because there's this ache in our hearts to be this this type of person bearing the imago day that cultivates this natural world. World, cultivates our giftedness into flourishing with and for one another. So you see God's work in, in, in right from the beginning in in the story. We see God uh, creating, preserving, governing. Right? God does this. We bear God's image, and so there's some way that we're also participating in these roles. And so you see that we're we're tending. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and working, right? We take what God has made and we tend it and we work it. We, we, we see that God is one who preserves and many of you have callings that are about keeping and gardening. You're, you're, you're taking something that others have worked to build and you're tending the ecosystem, right? You, you find this even just like regular human institutions. You've got your like maverick, pioneer, entrepreneur who starts something and so often they're not the person to carry the company or the organization into the next stage because they're not as good at keeping and gardening and tending and and, and and, and, and working to make sure that, 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 um, so they're on to the next thing to start a new plot, right? So we see God creating and preserving and governing, and we are, we are tending and working, keeping and guarding, subduing, and having, having dominion, saying, like, we have to set up a a structure here so that people aren't trampled. We have to, we have to make sure that we care for these incredible resources that we've been given, and, 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 and treat them with the care that they deserve, and, I think that you can you can map these. And I'm not the only, only one, you know, like that you can map these to uh, the, the offices. When, when Jesus shows up as, a God, as, as the God-man, 100% God and 100% man, human, you see him as a prophet speaking new things into life. You see him as, as a priest tending, governing, stewarding the ecosystem. You see him as a king with you know, dominions physically, spiritually. Like He's able to speak forgiveness and healing. In some way, you and I, as followers and apprentices of Jesus, are, are stepping into these, these spaces as well. And so we have some you know, spiritual detective work to do to ask really good questions of our own heart, of our life story. Of the place God's put us, of our gifts and abilities, of the Holy Spirit, to say, "What what am I to do? Where am I to to work and to tend and to keep and to express the authority of 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 God and His His love? You were created to do good work." I'll give you two more theologians. This is uh, J.I. Packard and Thomas Howard in a book they wrote on the essence of of Christianity as, as bringing, flourishing into the world. And they say, to affirm and bask in the goodness of the world, to praise God for the wonders of creation, to practice responsible stewardship for this small planet, and to honor its maker by using its resources wisely for the welfare of others and the enriching of human life are all integral aspects of the work that Christians are called to do. Any idea that consistent Christianity must undermine or diminish concern for the tasks of civilization should be dismissed once and for all. So here's a question I want you to leave with. (laughs) I want to ask them, I want to try to give you a couple of investigatory tools and then I want to ask them again. What is your vocation? What are the things that keep showing up? And you can use the the things that we looked at before to begin to get broad heading type, you know, like I'm someone who helps to keep, to maintain, to tend, I'm someone who's, Who's, who's speaking new things into existence. I'm someone who's, who's trying to push the edge creativity. I'm, I'm someone who's helping to take all the data and information that, that's coming into my world and, and, and manage the complexity of it in a way that it can actually nourish and sustain life. Like, there's something you may begin to see. Like, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just call, call them out as... as um, not as a joke, but something I think is interesting, like Josh Staten in our church. Um, one of the things that he always does is he's always looking for opportunities to, um, to, to, to help make something run smoothly and clearly and, and, and beautifully for, for other people. And, um, and to step aside some, sometimes a, a vision that's already existing and to make it go, to make it work, to keep it and to tend it. And we, he, we used to joke around that he was like four years old. He, he would go on family vacation. He would take his like uncles and dad's wallets, and he would organize them, like and give them like all the receipts and take them out and put the money the right way and like get the you know, like. To me, I'm just like I would never even think to do to do that. And like he's just making the thing that's already there, making it beautiful and orderly and good and, and functional. And he does that in our church. I'm like this little thing that was true about you as a four year old. That somehow there's a little vocational thread that's being strummed there and it's resonating out all across your life. I really felt in a prophetic way in our prayer time this morning that for some of you today, God wants to ring the tuning fork in your heart. And it's gonna sort of, you're gonna know that it's the true tone <laughs> of your life, and that it's gonna start resonating through all that you do. And I just, wanna, I just wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would do that because even the questions I'm asking you, what's your vocation? Don't go out, try to answer it without the, the the guiding counseling empowering voice of the Holy Spirit that's what that's the resources God has given us to answer this question but I feel like God for some of you this morning He like wanted to ring the small tuning fork in your heart and let it reverberate all across your life so what is your vocation another way that you could ask it is what is your life mission. And you're gonna be able to uncover the mystery that basically these three questions are are one question. (laughs) But the way I ask it to myself is what must you always be doing no matter what you are doing? These three together start to help you get at your vocation. Get at, and and I, I reached out to like, 10 or, or 12 leaders in our, in, our, in our church and participants in our church across a variety of different careers and vocations this week. And I just asked them how they think about their their job, their career, their vocation and the kingdom of God and the intersection. And, and one of our our, our leaders, Jay, Um, he talked about the questions he asked himself to sort of get at this reality to sort of give it a practical expression to this in his life and he said am I providing what my family needs while also being able to really share life with them right so he asked a question that gets at one of the heart tensions of our city one of the heart tensions can I provide for my rent my practical needs like if I have a family for my family in a way that also allows me to fully participate with them in life and so that we don't get to like 22 and they're like thank you for you know all that you gave me you know mom or dad but I wish you'd been around right like like that moment in the movie that always happens like he's asking himself the question am I providing what my family needs while also being able to really share life with them I thought that was a great combination question the other is am I putting something good into the world and he was talking about the different you know streams that he's he's worked in and 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 uh and how in each of those streams, he's had to ask himself, am I putting something good into the world? The quality of it. The, 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 is, is, there's quantity questions, right, as well. Am I putting something good into the world? Am I making the most of my relationships? The people that I spend a, 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 like an astonishing amount of time with in your vocation, in your job, in your work. Are you making the most of those relationships? Are you revealing what God is like in your relationships with them. Another leader in our church uh, who just happens to also be a deacon now, uh, Jackie, um, <laughs> an attorney, uh, she told me that God has been reshaping how she thinks about uh, ad- adversaries and uh, and about her clients. And I, I will, for the sake of time, not g- g- get into uh, all, all that she shared, but it was really beautiful to see, like, you know, our, our legal world is set up in such an adversarial way where it's like it's, it's you and the other a party, and you're trying to make your arguments, and, and whoever you know, who, whoever wins, you know, wins and gets gets the most for for their interests. But she was saying, beginning to see, like, put a gospel lens over, and to begin to see even the opponents in their 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 case as human beings, as as someone that you know, they're trying to to live out their their vocation and calling, and and how how that can. Uh, She talked about a client that she worked with for five years, and when the client first came in, the proposition she made was impossible, like what you want to be done, it's just not going to happen. There's no way, and yet there was a persistence in both the client and in Jackie, and she said, I'm literally reading, this is a quote from her, she said, it is easy to forget that every person we meet is in the middle of their own love story with our creator and savior. He's working in their lives beyond what we can see with ours. So it's not all dependent on my certain set of skills. If I can acknowledge, and for all those that are believer, join join my faith with theirs, that really unlikely things become very probable. I get to partner in some small way with the Almighty to change someone's circumstances for the better, and it is pretty cool when that happens. Like, where is the relational garden that you are called to be tending? Where is the impossible work that you are called to persist in? Where is the new creative thing that you need to call into existence before it is there? Where is the place that you need to tend? So what's your vocation, your life mission? What must you be doing no matter what you're doing? And if you're looking for ways to, to get at that, some of you will already know. The tuning fork's already going off. But a set of questions that I think are, are helpful, they won't be probably new to you, but um, what's wrong is a question that begins to get at the vo- vo- vocational type tuning fork stuff in your heart, like where do you perpetually come back to saying this is, this shouldn 't be <laughs> like maybe there 's something like as opposed to like just venting that it 's wrong <laughs> where, where there 's a vocational strain in your life that you 're meant to confront and to say stop to something that 's wrong Some of you may maybe that 's part of your calling others of you will will, will the way it might come to you is, what's missing? Like, I can see there's a gap in between what is and what could be here. What, what's what's missing? And there's maybe something that you're called to create or you're called to catalyze to start to start something new to change what's possible in a given place. What is good, right? Essentially, like some of you, your your vocational calling is is you're meant to celebrate. You're meant to come around something that's already good and and drive joy and fanfare and celebration and. and, and and continue that on to celebrate and cultivate something that's good, to enjoy it to, to see it, to see it shared, to see it celebrated. What's confusing? Some of you, your vocational calling. a lot of the teachers out there, you're, 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 part of your calling is to help clarify something that's, that's confusing, to help it bring bring a reality that people really need to be aware of into focus, to compel others to action. Like the word... <laughs> What you see God doing in creation is bringing order out of chaos. And what he calls us to do as bearers of his image is to do the same. Culture is bringing order out of chaos. In the places where our society is anti-culture, it means it's destroying by by putting chaos back in. And our calling is to to bear the image of God in that way. So those, those four questions What's wrong? What's missing? What's good? What's confusing? Those are questions you can come back to as a resource to uncover vocation if you're confused about it, or to even sharpen within your current vocation how to how to live that out. I'm going to give you one more thought from a South, uh, South American priest that I just think is beautiful, Oscar Romero, and he says. It helps now and then to step back and take the long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom lies, always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer full, fully expresses our faith. You, you probably wish it says, no sermon needs to be this long. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objection, objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant seeds that will one day grow. Hear this church. We plant seeds that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted knowing that they hold future promises. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. No matter what, How wonderful or disappointing the work you are doing is now. You have a vocational calling in this world, a reason why you are here, a life mission, things that you should be doing no matter what else you are also always doing. So I want to ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to help you answer those questions. What is my vocation? What is my life mission? What must I always be doing no matter what? I'm doing. And I'm just going to pray to wrap up that the Holy Spirit would sound that tuning fork in many of your hearts today. And you would know your calling. You would know your vocation. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for just the staggering scope of saying that, um, that there is something that could pull together everything we do. That we could do all things, whether in word or deed, whether we eat or drink, in the name of Jesus, giving thanks and for the for your glory. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. You are such a gracious God. Would you be gracious over your church right now, and would you speak to her? Would you sound the tuning forks in our heart, and would they resonate across our lives, and would we begin to see that we can wait, <laughs> or that we need to take action, <laughs> or that we can celebrate, or that we need to say, stop, enough is enough, and, and whatever it is, God, you would begin to just strum those vocational threads in our heart. We bless you, we worship you. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' name, amen.